I felt today, just as we were singing, just an overriding sense of, hey, God's, God wants you to know how much he loves you. The Father is for us, not against us. He is for us. And we're going to be looking in Ephesians 1, uh, verses 15 to 23 today. And you're going to see, this is Paul um, writing to the church in Ephesus that he started and he planted. He knows these people. And uh, the image that I have as I read through Ephesians is this. Paul is both a coach and a dad and a friend. And it's like he's pouring encouragement and speaking truth over them all the time. Why? Because a dad, because he started the church, he planted the church. These are his kids in a sense, even though they're a generation almost on. Every parent wants the best for their kids, don't they? They want to see them stronger. They want to see them established in who they know they are and who they can be in the future. Every parent wants their kids to do better than they do. And so we begin to see this very much so in the heart of Paul. So why don't we read? Are you ready? Don't let me grab my glasses here. Are we, are we good? Are we up for it? Come on. Let's, let's get into this. This is Paul speaking. Verse 15, it's going to come up on the screen as well. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. And I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. The riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably, wow, that's a great word, isn't it? His incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Wow. Unbelievable truth. Phenomenal. I want to pray today that Paul's prayer becomes his prayer, not only for the church in Ephesus, but it's a prayer for us that echoes through time and grabs our hearts as well. I meant to sort of say hi to the guys in um, uh, Cafe Church this morning here downstairs and also over at St. Macca. Welcome. Uh, they're on the live stream this morning as well. So... Look, when we look at that first couple of verses, Paul has planted this church. These are his kids. He doesn't just think about them. His thinking about them translates, doesn't it, into praying for them. I thank God. 
I keep asking God. I, keep, I thank God for you. He has real joy in his heart for these people. And as he's thinking about them, it's translating into a prayer for them that he writes down because he doesn't just want the prayer to be out there. He wants the prayer to come to them for them to hear his words, to say, I am with you. You know, we know, don't we? Paul is in prison at this point. He's away from these people that he loves and cares about. And when we love and care for the people that are around us, we think about them, don't we? Do we not? And when we think about them, the challenge is this, that we don't just think about them. That my, I think the first couple of verses are really cool in that we want the thinking to translate to prayer. And here's a, here's a thought. As I've been reading this for the last couple of weeks and thinking about it, why don't we move from thinking to praying to writing? The last couple of weeks, every time I've thought about somebody here in this church or in one of our sites, I've... I've actually got my phone out and I've texted them a word of encouragement and a little prayer. Because we want to foster, like Paul, don't we? That, that we are for one another and we are with one another and whatever the circumstances that our friends find themselves in, we want them to know that we're praying for them and that we are for them and with them. So I want to encourage us, just let, let's be a bit more like Paul in the first couple of sentences of this letter. Let's move from thinking about one another to praying for one another and then actually writing to one another and texting each other or send an email and say, go on, we're with you and we're for you. Because the rest of this passage is the prayer. It's Paul's prayer for his friends. And as, you, as we look at it, the first thing he prays for, have you noticed there, is something very simple, very obvious, very profound. He says, I just want you to know Jesus better. I want you to know him better. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better better it is the Sunday school answer to know Jesus is the most important thing in life and the great news is this we do not ever outgrow him there's always more and there's always a better in this relationship there's always more to discover now I might be showing my age but I you know, in our house, um, I remember growing up as a kid, we had Russian dolls. Do you remember? Some of you are like, what are those things? No, so it's like a doll, and then there's a doll inside a doll, and a doll inside a doll, and a doll inside a doll. I think we had one that had eight. Anyone else have one more than that? So, so the whole deal was, this doll, you opened it up, and there's another doll inside. You discovered more. And then you opened it up, and it was another doll inside. But the thing is, you see, every time you discovered it, the doll got smaller. But you see, what Paul says in Jesus is, the, is that as we get to know him better and discover more about him, he doesn't get smaller, he actually gets bigger. These dolls, you know, the concept is like the TARDIS. Jesus is like the TARDIS. You know, you step into it, he's like, whoa, it's even bigger. He's bigger than I thought. Well, it sounded great in my study. <laughs> 
But some of you, the lights went on because suddenly it was like a Doctor Who reference. You're like... But you understand, there is always more. There is always a better. And that's what Paul is praying for his friends. I want you to know him better. How? By receiving a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Now, if you look in your Bible, if you look at that, there's a little reference where it says spirit. And some of them it's a small S and some it's a capital S. And generally speaking, when you see a capital S, there is a direct reference to the Holy Spirit. The reality is this, whether it's a small or a big one, we know that the Holy Spirit is the one that reveals more of Christ and leads us in all truth and wisdom. John chapter 16 says this. This is Jesus promising the Spirit of God, the Counselor. And what does a Counselor do? He brings wisdom, doesn't he, into or into our situations. When we need to understand something, he's the one that brings it. And so in chapter 16 of John, he says, But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes... He will guide you in all of truth. The Holy Spirit, as, so uh, Jesus says to his friends, he says, I am going to now to be with the Father in, uh, in Acts chapter 1, and I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you. And he wants to, he wants to lead you in all truth and in wisdom. He wants to highlight the things that I've said to you so that then you can walk in them. You see, we often overcomplicate the Christian life. You see, we read scriptures and we read the teachings of Jesus because they're truth. And often we sit and we go, I need to understand this situation or what to do in this situation. More often than not, instead of sitting in our closets going, give me a word, we just need to go and re-listen to Jesus' words. And as we re-listen to Jesus' words, it's like he, the Holy Spirit then starts to highlight the truth. And then we apply it to the situations that we're in. He's the great highlighter of truth and integrity in our lives. Do we not want to walk in truth? In every area of our lives, at work and with our families. And then he says, and, as you keep reading uh, John chapter 16, lead you in wisdom. And then he says, for he will not speak from himself, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will proclaim to you the things to come. He will glorify me because he will take from what is mine and will proclaim it to you. Everything that the Father has is mine. For this reason I said that he takes from what is mine and will give it to you. The Holy Spirit is the one that's going to reveal what the heart of the Father is to you and me. I want to know him better what we're saying and Paul is saying is, I want you to become sensitive, more sensitive 
to the Spirit of God in our lives. We've been singing this morning, spring up, oh well. The Holy Spirit isn't just to come upon us, but it says the truth of Scripture is this, that the Holy Spirit is in each and every one of us. Paul's praying and saying, I want that to be stirred up in our lives so that there is greater sensitivity to conviction and affirmation. So that when we're doing stuff that's right and good, we sense and we feel his pleasure. And when we're doing stuff that's out of kilter, we're quickly convicted and we can put it right. And as we live in that accordance to his spirit, we're going to walk in his spirit and realize very quickly that he is trustworthy and we are knowing him better. We're growing in him. The word there, knowing, to know him better, in the, in the kind of Greek gnosis, it's a living, present, experiential knowledge of Jesus. This is now, so he's speaking and he's praying for the church. He's saying, I don't want you to just live on the past understanding of who God is and on the, your past experiences of God, but I, you need to be living in the very present experiential understanding and gnosis of who God is. So the question I ask us today is, are we living in past experiences of God or actually are we living in a present living relationship with him what's he saying to you today in this season and are you and am I being obedient to it as I was reflecting on the knowing thing you know, Christianity, we cannot live vicariously through other people. This knowing is deeply personal. We are to know his, him, not just to know about him. You see, I can know a whole load about somebody, but I might not really know them. That's the words that are being used here. And it is different to know him. Do I know him better today than I did yesterday? Do I know him better today than I did 20 years ago? I hope so. But sometimes he calls us back, don't we? It's a good prayer. I want, we need to know him. Anyway, so we've come, that's what his prayer is. To know him to know him better and then there in verse 18 it's like Paul takes a breath he says I also want you to know not only him but where you're going and what he's done I want you to know hope I want you to know not only who he is and experience that but to know what he's done for you and actually ultimately where you're going because i need because when we know his hope then we're going to be secure we're going to be a secure people 
He wants the church to have a deep, deep inner assurance or conviction of a certain yet unseen future. I remember reading um, this story of a famous botanist. I think it was, I don't know, I can't remember. It might have been in the 20s or something. And he was in the Alps looking for um, a particular flower. And high up in the Alps, and he came across it. He spied one of these flowers down a cliff face, hanging on, you know, one of those <laughs> little, little flowers hanging on to the cliff. And, 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 and he thought, how on earth am I going to get down there and get a sample of this particular flower? And across the meadow, in the high meadow, was a young boy looking after his dad's cows, you know. There he was. And he called this young lad over. He said, listen, um, I, I want to get that flower. And, and, and I wonder if you can help me. I've got this rope. Can I tie this rope around you? And I'll hold the rope. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a good guy. I'm a strong guy. I'll lower you down. And you can get the flower and bring it up to me. And the little lad just looked at him and thought, I don't think so. I don't know you. And he ran off. Anyway, ten minutes later, he comes back with another man. He says, I'll go down and get it as long as this guy holds the rope. So he gives this guy the rope. This, this young lad ties a rope around his waist, and off he goes, rappels down the cliffs, gets the flower, brings it up. You see, the reality is the young boy went off to get someone he could trust and someone he knew, and someone who was secure, his own dad. He said, the climb wasn't the issue. It was who's holding the rope. You see, we need to know in this life who's holding the rope and where we're going. And if we know Jesus, and we know the Father is good, and He's got a great plan, and He's got an eternal security already done for you and me, then it informs us how we're going to make decisions in this life. Paul's praying for the church. I want you to know the end, and the end is this, that Jesus Christ came, and He died for you and me. And that we no longer have to live with the weight of sin, being weighed down with it, restricted by it. But Jesus took it. And he's opened up a whole new eternal security for you and me. A hope of a whole new future. A different kind of future that doesn't have pain and suffering. And being weighed down with guilt and shame. And that when we cross over from this life, we're not carrying in ourselves the condemnation that we deserve. Because he's already carried it for us. You know, I've had the most remarkable privilege as a friend and pastor on a number of occasions to, to be at the bedsides of people who are dying. And it is both powerful and painful and yet at the same time unbelievably joyful. A number of months ago a friend of mine said would you come and spend some time with my dad and so I went and I stood, sat uh, with him in a hospice and I know his dad and you know what he knows hope and this man he was still lucid he was dying of cancer and I sat at his bedside I said, uh, how are you doing? And he said, I'm, I'm ready. He said, I said, really? 
He said, I am ready to go. I know, I know Jesus. He's here with me now. And I know as I go, I will cross over to be into his presence forever. There was this unbelievable assurance, a depth in him. It was beautiful and powerful because Kenny knew who held the rope of his life. He said, I don't know where you're at today. Maybe you've been coming to church all your life. Maybe this is, you've just rocked up. And you're like, I need to know where I'm going. Paul's prayer for you today is that you can know hope when you know Jesus. We need to know hope. And you know what? That hope speaks deeply then into the anxieties of our lives, doesn't it? Into our worries. Let's be honest. We're human beings. But we need to somehow understand that that future hope can break into our present circumstances. And shape then our mindsets and how we make decisions and how we deal with circumstances. Remember Paul is speaking to a church in Ephesus that has experienced some tough stuff. But he's saying, no, you have a hope that whatever happens in this life, the eternal one is secure. You need to somehow, something needs to happen. And he calls it an enlightenment, an inner enlightenment. Something needs to happen on the insides of us. That deep assurance is a Holy Spirit moment that takes this future hope and puts it on the insides of us so that we make decisions in the light of it. You know, the promises that Jesus says, you, know, you have an eternal life, but he also says that that hope isn't a, just a future hope, it's a now, it's a present one, to know hope in the present. He says this, you can walk in light. I don't want to be stumbling around in life, in dark, we've heard about that today, but light and life, not to be oppressed and pressed in by stuff, but free. He says, peace of mind I give you. A peace that passes all understanding. When we come to know him, we understand that hope. A peace and assurance in here and in here happens. You're not alone. You are not alone in this life. I am with you. So many of us feel alone. You don't need to be alone. Jesus is with you. And with him comes all these incredible promises. You'll know truth. You'll know love. Real love. You know our human love is pretty good, but his surpasses it. So many people want to experience love. And we go looking for it in all the wrong places. Paul's praying for the church in Ephesus. It says, in him there is love. You can experience it today. It's not just a future thing, but it's for today. And then finally, this prayer doesn't stop there. It says, you know him. Know him today. He said, you've got a future hope, it's secure, you know where you're going. And then he says this, he says he prays for a present power to be experienced. Can you see that in the scriptures? He says, and to know 
and to know his incomparably great power for us who believe. And again, that to know is a living experiential gnosis that creates a track record of his power. The same power the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule, all rule and authority. You know, I think Paul, as he's speaking to his friends, he really wants to say to them, you know, the Father has not left you to just get on with this life on your own. But he's left his spirit with us and her power to be at work in our lives and in us and through us. Thank goodness we don't have to do this in our own strength. If we do, and when we do, it doesn't last very long, does it? If we're really honest, it's true, isn't it? We get exhausted. We get tired. We trip up. We fall into temptation. But when we're close and we're drawing on him, there is a power that's beyond human power. And so as we wrap this up, I think Paul wants to say to us as a church today, listen, there is a power that you and I can experience in him. Paul started this church. And if you read in Acts chapter 19, it is brilliant. The heritage of this church was one of power. This is what it says. It says, God did extraordinary miracles through Paul so that even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him were taken to the sick and their illnesses were cured and the evil spirits left them. When this became known to the Jews and the Greeks living in Ephesus, they were all seized with fear. And the name of the Lord Jesus was held in honor. Many of those who believed now came and openly confessed what they had done. A number who had practiced sorcery brought their scrolls together and burned them publicly. And when they calculated the values of the scrolls, the total came to 50,000 drachmas. Uh, I, I'm not quite sure how much that is, but I think it's a lot. This church was born in power. Lives were being transformed in power. God had given these, these disciples of Jesus an extraordinary power to live a, an extraordinary life in an extraordinary city. Ephesus was a very interesting place. And you know what it was known for? Power. Well, that's why he says incomparable power. Because from all over the Roman world, people came to visit um, the local deity because they thought they had the power to make people more fertile. She had the power to inflict plagues upon people, to give and take away life. They came there because Rome's, it was one of the largest cities in the area, and Rome's power it was exerted there. And he's saying, no, that's not real power. Let me tell you about real power. The same power that brought a dead man back to life and was resurrected is in you and me. A power to live differently, a power to love differently, and a power to love the different. How good is that? Listen, Ephesus was a maelstrom of, 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 of culture and immorality and power struggles and all the rest of it. Listen, let's be brutally honest, not that dissimilar to us in our, in our current context. 
And Paul is praying, listen, God's given you the power to live differently amongst all of this, to make a difference, to see people healed and saved and to know him. What a great prayer. And my prayer is that that prayer, his prayer for that church is the same prayer for you and me today here. This precious community that he founded as a dad, he wants the best for them. And so let's wrap up. I don't know about you, I want to know him better. There's always a better. There's always more. The only person that restricts the relationship between us and him is us. Paul's image of Jesus is one where he stood with his arms open, his posture towards us saying, come and experience more. And we do that by receiving and obeying what he's saying to us so we can grow in trusting him. For some of us, this thing about hope and knowing where we're going is really, really important today. You need to know. And we're going to pray for you that you will know no, no, in here. And we all need power. A power to have our own lives transformed. More power for God to use us wherever we're at and the influences that we have in these little uh, settings that um, uh, Peter and Carrie talked about, whether you're in the hospital or in the oil industry or you're a teacher or a medic, whatever that is, whatever that looks like, we need the power of God to be at work in us so that we reflect his goodness.